This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Our text today is Shud Igrid Moshe Yeridea Chelek Gimel Simen Kufyud Dalad. This is a truva from 5736. Uh, so we're in, um, right, Chavchet Adarishon, so we're in 1976. It's a famous truva, Bidvar Pirish Hatura Miuchas Rabbi Yudha Chasid, and we Moshe asserts that in uh, a book which uh, forged interpolations, which assert that there are post-Mosaic insertions in the Torah. Uh, I'm not really interested in evaluating whether Rav Moshe is correct or not. Um, if you want a good summary of the evidence against, uh, you can read uh, Dr. Mark Shapiro's Limits of Orthodox Theology. Uh, there is a list of sources on page 101, note 73. Uh, and there are also articles about, I believe also one by Dr. Shapiro, uh, about the character of the uh, of the person who was trying to publish it, or a very laud- uh, laudatory um, version. And um, in Yeshiva, there was a story that Professor Lyman had been in with Rav Moshe and said that if he had another half hour, he would have convinced Rav Moshe it was authentic. But that really is not my issue in this podcast. Uh, I will say, I guess, you know, tangentially in this regard, that the Chuva contains one of my favorite lines of Rav Moshe, which is important um, to know, um, because in the context of rejecting the claim that the Parsha Elam Lachim Hashem Lachu Be'edom is post-Mosaic, uh, Rav Moshe says, Uchvar hevi be'ben Ezra me'apikores echad b'shem Yitzchaki, she'amar ki b'mei ho'shafat nichtov ha'zosa Parsha. And Rav Ezra concludes, Masik ibn Ezra, Chalilu v'chalilu, shu'u k'moshi dibar al yimei ho'shafat, v'sifro roi le'sarif. And so the Rav Ezra says that, it, that the book of Yitzchaki is worthy of burning because he makes this allegation. And Rav Moshe says, "Venimse shekvar hudin pasuk me Eben Ezra shetzarech lisrof sefer kaze." So Rav Ezra already passed this. So on the the ongoing conversation about whether Eben Ezra is a halachic source, um, Rav Moshe comes down clearly on the claim that Eben Ezra is. Um, but of course, this tshuva, um, which Rav Moshe already writes, is hard for me to respond because of Chol Shasi. Um, this is a tshuva on hashkafa, and Rav Moshe on hashkafa is not. Um, not, I think, as sensitive, I guess I would say, as he is on issues that are pure halacha, assuming you accept uh, the distinction. There are other chuvot uh, about matters of belief that where he seems to be you know, more prone to reject positions out of hand. And so although he uses the language of Amer here, it's not clear that it should fit into our general pattern. Um, we can question whether it's, whether it's really a standard example. Uh, I also want to say up front that this... Uh, this installment is a little bit later than it should be. It should have been out last week. And that's because I spent hours and hours um, trying to understand one phrase in the part of Rav Moshe's Shuvah that I'm interested in and um, totally failed last week. Um, I think I have it now, but I'm very tentative. I'm going to tell you uh, when I read it um, where I think that I, what I think Rav Moshe means, but I'm not at all sure I'm correct. And I encourage any of you who have alternative uh, alternate readings to... Um, to email me at monitorleadership at gmail.com or on my Facebook page and tell me uh, that I was wrong and why. 
Okay, um, so this is a tshuva um, written to Rav Daniel Levi of uh, the Av Bezdin of Kilat Adat Yeshurun um, Betzirich, because we've already talked about the subject, um, but we're interested in a sub-subject, in a subtopic, not the big issues about the claim that uh, the whole psukim or partios are integrated, but in the course of address, uh, our post-mosaic, but in the course of that conversation, Rav Moshe addresses the role of Ezra, and specifically the role of Ezra uh, for the dots um, over letters, right? Not the nukudot that are the um, that are the pronunciation guides, but the dots that are over letters, uh, and that seemed to be um, in the ancient Near East. I'm told, right? Seemed to be. Um, I think my son calls them cancellation dots, right? Dots that mean that you're supposed to erase this letter, um, and that traditionally might or might not mean something related to that, as a, uh, right? That you're supposed to be able to read the text as if it has those letters, whether or not you think that the letter that, which is what we'll discuss, whether you think those letters. Uh, that those dots indicate possible scribal errors. Uh, so in the course of that, Rav Moshe says um, the following. Um, right, he says, right, after he goes through uh, a series of, of arguments to tell you that even though um, the Gemara only says uh, right, that it's every, uh, every that that, um, that, the tar- that it's only chutzmi pasukze, that you can't claim that there's a that there's a verse in the Torah which is not written by Moshe, but it's obvious um, that the uh, the Ramam is correct when the Ramam says Afilu Teva Achas in Perik Gimel Melchus Shiva Halacha Halacha Ches, and even though the Ramam only says every word, but really, um, really, it's obvious. So we get all the way from verses in the Gemara to words in the Rambam to letters in Rav Moshe. And he thinks that's all obvious, but then he recognizes that there is, of course, uh, one th- famous problem with the uh, claim that extends the letters. Um, it says, so if you put in one, if you leave out one letter or add a letter, it's puzzle, as the Raman writes in Ilchus Sefer Torah, Perikud Halach Aleph, but. Famously, that we don't know whether the alephs and ayans and yuds and other uh, letters that are added in as markers of vowels, uh, right? We don't know whether we have them accurately or not. Therefore, he says, So our Sefer Torah may not be kosher. Okay, all the theological issues about that and the conversation about uh, right, Sefer Torah Shal Moshe, Kasher, Pus, if it came up nowadays, was different, Kasher, Pussel, and why, beyond our, uh, beyond our conversation. Rav Moshe just says, look, I concede, even though I just said if you add a letter or subtract a letter, that Sefer Torah is Pussel, and that's a violation, and it's, it's of Kidvar Hashem uh, Biza, but the fact is, we may not have Kasher Sefer Torah. And that creates a halachic nafkamina, which is shebishvil chaseres v'yaseres, that because of these those letters that um, only affect the only affect the, whether vowels are long or short, kishaleka shinei be'inian v'hamifta, right? When there's no change in um, either the topic or the pronunciation, uh, leaving aside the question of those who follow Rabbi Weider and uh, pronounce short and long vowels differently. Um, or how you, how you would handle that. You don't bring out another Sefer Torah. Um, as Rech Zerama writes there, and we should pull the language of the Ramah up um, here because I think it matters a little bit. Um, the language of the Ramah is not Ein Motsi in Sefer Torah. The language of the Ramah is Ein Lahotsi Acher. Um, you sh- right, which sounds stronger than uh, perhaps an Ein Motsim, which is a descriptive, 
Ein lehotzi is very clearly prescriptive. You're not supposed to take it out. And that matters a great deal in the continuation of Moshe, and this is the line that becomes, um, that was deeply unclear to me, so I'll tell you what I think, um, what I think it means. Um, so Rav Moshe says, all right, as Ramah writes, ve'af hanikudot b'torah, and even the dots of the Torah, but which again he means the the dots above letters like lanu vanenu, and not um, not not nikudot in the sense of uh, vowel markings. She'ain behem psul. There's no psul in the Torah whether or not you include the dots in the right places or you or you or you don't include the, or you put dots in the wrong places. Beidim lo nasu otan nikudos b'sefer Torah v'ne nimsa ezin nikudos she'ain on srichin. Right? There's no we don't pasul sefer Torah either way because of the presence or absence of dots. It says, Nami Asur, that is also forbidden. So what does also forbidden mean? So I spent a lot of time trying to figure out, right, is Ramosha banning a claim that the dots are not part of the original Sefer Torah? Right? What exactly is Asur? And I finally decided, and you can decide if this is right or not, that Ramosha means that it's um, that he understood um, as Ein Motsi in Sefer Torah, is a prohibition, of taking out another Sefer Torah, because maybe this Sefer Torah, even though it differs from our standardized text uh, in terms of a Chaser or Yeter, maybe it really is Kasher, and maybe the next Sefer Torah is, uh, I think, but for these purposes, it has to matter that maybe this Sefer Torah is Kasher. So therefore, um, right, the fact that the next Sefer Torah is Puzzle wouldn't make much difference for my argument. Um, so it, since it's Kasher, therefore, I think Rav Moshe understood it, and some Akronim can be read that way and some not. It's usher to take out another Sefer Torah in order to replace this Sefer Torah because this Sefer Torah is not more puzzle than any other Sefer Torah would be. And Ramosha says the same is true, if I'm correct, the same is true about the dots because the dots don't um, don't affect kashras one way or the other. It would be a forbidden taking out of a Sefer Torah and, and putting aside of this Sefer Torah, which I think very likely the issue is less the taking out of the other Sefer Torah than the apparent assertion that this Sefer Torah is puzzle when it's not, although Rav Moshe doesn't say that explicitly. So that's just like you're not supposed to take out another Sefer Torah because of a divergence of one of the letters that are just vowel markers, that are chaser and yeter, so too you're not supposed to take a Sefer Torah out. It's also to take a Sefer Torah out because of a dot. Assuming that's correct, then Rav Moshe goes on to say, I am Episke Tosfus, Menachos Simen Reish Laman Aleph, where it says, Kishra Kasav Ezra HaTorah, so that statement seems very clearly to assign the dots to Ezra, and in my reading that makes a lot of sense, because since the dots are Ezraic as opposed to Mosaic, so therefore you, um, right, they don't affect the Kashra Sopsul of the Sefer Torah. But now Rav Moshe says, This bright quoted by Pisketos is Menachos, it's also in the Das Kenim, um, is um, a version of a bright that found in Avot Rabbi Nassan, um, but there of Moshe says Shu Girsa Mutas, right? So it's not just the Rabbi that has that has uh, that has a forgery, but there's also an erroneous Girsa in um, in Avot Rabbi Nassan. Shaisa, because there it says Amar Ezra. Ezra said, Im Yavo Eliyahu Viomar Li Mipnei Mach Kasavtekach Omer Ani Lo Kvar Nakati Alehen. Um, if Eliyahu comes uh, via Marley and and someone says to me, "Why did you write this?" I will say, "Kvar nakati and I wrote. I, I already have a dot on them. Vimomerli yafekasafta. And if he says you wrote well, 
Avir Nakuda Mayalehen. So that text sounds like Ezra uh, is unsure about the letters under right, the letters over which the uh, the dots are placed. And so and the simple reading of the text is Elio comes and asks him, uh, why did you write it? When it's not really in the cipher, it doesn't really belong. And he'll say, look, I put a dot over it. And if he says, you wrote well, I'll say, look, you know, I only put a dot over it. But the thing is that this is not talking about chaseros and yaseros. The dots over it are over entire words that really change the meaning of the uh, of the Torah. And Ramosha is not prepared, if I'm reading him correctly, to allow that kind of doubt enter into it. So the big variant is that in the version of Menachot, Ezra asks, um, right, Ezra puts the Nikuda in and says, if Moshe asks me, why did you put the dot in? I can explain why I put the dot in. And that is not going to bother him much. He's going to have a way of explaining that that doesn't directly raise, the, um, doesn't call, that doesn't make the dot be an issue of whether the letter should be there or not. Um, whereas the version in Avodah Benetan um, says, why did you write this? Which suggests that uh, the issue is whether the letter should be there or not. And that Rav Moshe says is impossible. You can't ask, why did you write the letters in the Torah? Because Moshe wrote them down. And even though there's doubt about Chaseris and Yaseris, Rav Moshe does not allow the entrance of doubt about letters that make a difference to meaning um, or pronunciation. And therefore, uh, because he's saying that these letters weren't written by Kodesh Baruch Hu, or even if you think that the dots came later than Moshe, that Hashem changed his mind, all that is possible. Um, he says, furthermore, And if you're not supposed to write them, what does putting a dot change anything? The Sefer Torah is puzzle anyway. So for all these reasons, Rav Moshe rejects the Girsa of Mipnei Kosav Takach. And then he says, And here's our phrase, And here's our phrase, Take a look at the Bini Yeshua, and you'll see that the Bini Yeshua writes things that are not, that cannot be said. Uh, a number of lines later, he says, May God forbid the author of Yeshua Falk of the Bini Yeshua, who is a quite uh, established figure, uh, for saying this. Now, um, Bini Yeshua actually quotes what he says from uh, from his Rebbe. He actually has a Masoret. So right, there's a long line, it seems, of people that Rav Moshe is rejecting about this detail as well. Um, but the question is, what exactly uh, is it that the Binyan Yeshua says, which is not, uh, which Rav Moshe finds unacceptable? So I originally thought, uh, mistakenly, that the difference in the Girsos was based on, in the first in the first version, the version Rav Moshe says is correct, it's Elio who comes and asks Ezra, and the second version, it's Moshe, uh, sorry, the first version is Moshe who comes and asks Ezra, and Moshe is entitled to ask questions about changes in the Torah, but what is Elio doing coming and asking Ezra? But that turned out to be completely wrong uh, because the first thing that the Bini Yeshua says about the Girsa in the um, about the Girsa in the Avas Rebbeinatan is that even though the text says uh, Vim Yavo Elio uh, V'yomerli Elio comes and says to me that we can divide the Yavo and the Yomer what it really means is that Elio comes and revives Moshe and then, um, and then Moshe asks these questions to Ezra. So in both versions, it's Moshe asking the questions. Elio is just a hechitimsa for tchias amesim, so that um, because otherwise, how could Moshe and Ezra be in the same place? Uh, so that really confused me because now, it, like, because obviously the Bnei Yeshua is not trying to say anything heretical. 
Um, but it turns out that what the Binyan Yoshua um, says, and many figures later um, construct versions of um, of this argument without getting into the problem of Moshe, says uh, right, Rev. Yel Baruch Shulman at YU has a version of this as well, which is to claim that the um, the dots over the letters are intended to prevent a misreading in some way. Gemara has a whole discussion about what the meaning of the Pasuk is, uh, what the dots letters are, right? When, are, when does God punish Nisarot? Before the Ardain, after the Ardain, uh, etc. So the um, the claim is that they're intended to, um, the dots are intended to change the meaning, and since there's a machlokas in the Gemara about what exactly the dots intend, um, so that, right, so it could be that there's a question of whether you should have written the dots because they create or clear up confusion. What the Binyan Yeshua says is that there are things, uh, I'll give you his language so you can, um, so you can have it uh, precisely, um, what he says is that there are things in the Torah. Um, Ezra Sofer fixed things in the Torah. So you'll know this is a you know, grave debate in Rashi about the places where Rashi says Tikkun Sofrim, who's a, right, based on the Gemara, places where it seems disrespectful to God. Um, so how do we understand that? Because as we really change the Torah, does it just mean the Torah is written on the presumption that you would make this change in meaning? Uh, the Bini Yeshua, as understood by Rav Moshe, that seems to be correct, thinks that Ezra, in fact, had the capacity to edit the Torah to prevent misunderstandings. Um, right? If the Pasuk Zeh, so if you read the Pasuk, it sounds like the Nisteros are for Hashem forever, but we know there's explaining what the boundaries of the, of the Machlokas are. So Moshe says to Ezra, why didn't you change the text of the Torah so as to prevent this misunderstanding? I read a version of the question that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu asks God, why didn't you change an Adam so people wouldn't think it was the plural? All right, and God says, look, you know, people will misunderstand it. Right? But apparently Moshe Rabbeinu didn't um, hold this but in every case, and so he asked this question to Ezra. And uh, and Ezra says, "Look, I put the dot over it, and that way there's no clear, uh, there's no clear way of reading the pasuk, um, um, and therefore you can't use the pasuk to make an obvious mistake. You have to paskin the machlokas whichever way, uh, whichever way you want, um, right?" And he says, "Kain kastav be kastnos or imaram or meore meore eish the kastnos or which is Rav Meir ben Yitzchak also." Uh, a famous, uh, famous figure, but if Moshe decides that this is impossible, um, it's not even um, you can't even enter into the into into your thoughts, or right, you're not allowed to say the position that Ezra was allowed to edit the text of the Torah. Um, As always, to figure out like which texts Rav Moshe claims are are forgeries, 
which texts he goes to extremes to interpret so they won't say the things that he thinks are impossible, and who he feels comfortable just saying, look, you know, Shari Lilamari. May God, uh, may God forgive him because he said things. And again, we'll point out the paradox is that all these things Ramosha says, Lonitan Lehamer, have to have been said by some, in the vast majority of cases we've seen, somebody actually said them, and often we found that famous Achronim said them. Uh, but Ramosha nonetheless feels comfortable um, dismissing them. Um, so I think that's, that's all I want to say about uh, this Shuva. I guess I should really put in the two points that we, that the reason Ezra comes in as a prominent figure, of course, is because of the various, um, the possibility Ezra changed the script, which Rav Moshe t- uh, talks about, and the ascription of Ezra as causing a re-editing of the text by uh, by majority. Um, so there are all sorts of reasons that you could um, argue that Ezra has greater editorial power, but Rav Moshe doesn't uh, think any of those are relevant to the question of whether he could have actually changed letters um on his own, and the truth is that I myself find it a very odd position that Ezra would change a divine text, so I understand Rav Moshe's discomfort, um, but again, you know, other people said it, um, so I would tend to say, um, you know, that this is a position that I don't understand how this position is compatible with the, uh, with my own premises about the nature of Torah, as opposed to saying that this is uh, something which is halachically forbidden, uh, my teacher, Michael Rosenzweig, has argued that the question of things that, whether things are coherent with Torah as a whole, as for what he, he did it in the context of this tshuva and of Ibn Ezra, uh, if you understand what Ibn Ezra says um, about the Sodash Nemasar, that there are positions that um, at one point in history one thinks that they could be compatible with the assumptions necessary to sustain Torah, and then over time, it becomes clear that they're not. I mean, talk about the uh, the Chassam Sofer about the evolution from uh, uh, whether you could argue there's no personal Messiah anymore that in the time of the Gemara we still call him Rabbi Hillel for advancing this position even though the Gemara says Shari Le Mare and Rav Moshe clearly has that Gemara uh, in mind when he says Shari Le Mare so Rosenzweig argued that in the time of the Gemara, it was uh, it was not yet clear that that position was incompatible with the totality of Torah, but that um, by the time um, by the time of Rav Moshe, by the time of Sam Sofer, it was already it was already obvious that that position was incompatible. Uh, and I have argued, perhaps subversively, that this should go this should, it should happen the other way as well. That there's you know if this is correct, maybe there are positions that are deemed kfira in one society because. Nobody can understand how that position could be compatible with Torah. And then all of a sudden, you know, several hundred years later or whatever, or a different society where the givens of the society, the live options are different, nobody sees a contradiction at all. Uh, I think it's hard to take the position that the movement only goes one way towards the restriction of theology as a, um, as a, you know, and, and can't ever broaden the range of theology. But I'll leave that uh, to you to think about as well. And again, if you have a different position, a different understanding of that line, Nami Asr, so that it doesn't relate to a prohibition of taking out a Sefer Torah um, unnecessarily or unnecessarily embarrassing the existing Sefer Torah that you're reading from, uh, I would love to hear that as well. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 